Doughboy Podcast, where we are champions of the common man. I'm your host, Buster Caballero. Thanks for tuning in. We sit down with certified good old boys and discuss how they're doing life, how they're getting by, their tips, their tricks, and getting down to the how to live life right by good old boy standards. So, sit back, relax, fix your cocktail, and let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome to the Good Old Boy Podcast and my guest today, a good old boy from back home where I'm from down to buy, Mr. Skip Sheremy. Skip, thanks for coming on uh, coming on the show. How you been doing, bud? Um, great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm humbled and honored. Now, Skip, man, uh, I, I've known you since I was a little kid. You were friends with my sister. Uh, we all went to South Lafouche High. We grew up on the bayou. Uh and through Facebook and everything, you reconnect, and I've been watching you, man. And dude, you are you are a mover and a shaker and a go getter and a, a a minister, a villain, a bearded villain, an actor, <laughs> a uh, a veteran, a, and so much more, man. Give us your background, if you don't mind, uh, or, or yeah. you know. I mean, I I grew up. Down here, like you uh, you said, I'll piggyback on that a little bit. On the bayou, uh, had a pretty normal childhood uh, up until about the fourth grade. But uh, I, I was blessed to be raised by uh, my father and my grandmother and and other members of my family. Um, I was I was just a, a, a normal a normal kid. So I thought at the time, because uh, uh, you know, define normal. Um, I enjoyed sports and i enjoyed hanging out with friends and uh i did pretty well up until i got to about high school um that's when i started kind of getting into a little a little trouble but uh, other than that i mean grew up a, a a cajun boy down here uh catholic church uh sunday school you know um pretty much kind of like the majority of us did down here were you uh were you Sacred Heart or Holy Rosary? Where were you at? Or I was in you? I was I was at Saint Joseph's. Okay. Saint, yeah. All right. Yeah, we were we were Holy Rosary where we were. So we were on the other side. So and then uh and then after high school, man. Where, uh, high school I um after high school I Went. I tried college. Well, uh-huh. let, let me let me let me back up a little bit. Uh, so I spent my senior year in summer school. Uh-huh. For some reason, I couldn't pass geometry. Uh-huh. Geometry killed me. I think Who's I had, the teacher? I, man, I had everyone. Uh, you know, everyone <laughs> from junior high. I, uh, Miss Pete, Mister Keith, Miss that. I, I went through them all. Yeah, uh, I couldn't get it. And so my senior year. I didn't get to actually go on stage, which is sister and all. Like I mm-hmm. actually, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have my diploma. I didn't have my diploma. I had to get this geometry passed in summer school. And there was a couple, a uh, couple football players that, that you know who they are, and and we all ended up going to summer school, which lasted, I want to say, like uh, maybe three weeks. And it was the football coach from Thibodeau High who actually taught us geometry, mm-hmm. and I passed with yeah. one fellas and my dad's like i don't get it you took four years of geometry you couldn't pass you took it for three weeks and you passed uh so a- after i received my diploma at some i started at Nichols, 
And uh, that's when I really started to have a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I flunked pretty quick, um, got involved into the, in the bar scene. And then after a while of getting tired of that, I, uh, I, I joined the Marine Corps and, uh, I did a little time in the Marine Corps and then I got out and things were looking pretty good for me when I got out. Uh, when I got out, I became a corrections officer in Terrebonne Parish. Really? And yeah. And that, that didn't last long. Uh, that didn't last long cause I wanted to be a cop on the road. Yeah. And, and at that time I wasn't really, um, I wasn't a drinker and I wasn't a drug user at that time. I had experimented through, uh, high school and, and through the little bit of college I went through mm-hmm. and you know, drank some when I was when in the service. Um, and what happened was, was I wanted to become a cop on the road and I was very impatient. All I had to do was wait six months. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm not going to be a corrections officer for six months. And I, and I kind of, I left, I quit. Uh-huh. And from, from, from that point on, uh, the drug use kind of picked up, uh, from that point on, I started, you know, dealing drugs, doing drugs or, or whatnot. Um, man, it's a really it's a long, it's a long journey because I, I, I lived, I went back to Thibodeau. I ended up back in downtown Thibodeau, same scene, same bar scene. I was in years earlier from college. And then, uh, I moved to Seattle for a while. And, uh, that's where I kind of became hooked to like hard drugs. Really? And then, uh, yeah. And then came back and, and, and came back and I went into my first treatment center. Um, for heroin back mm-hmm. in yeah back in two in 2000 i want to say it was 2000 and uh, what got you to what got you to seattle what was just friends there or people you knew or just said i'm going all the way up there or, and and was uh, it seattle well, that kind of got you or yeah man the heroin was cheap yeah 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 uh yeah heroin was cheap there it was easy accessible easy accept easily accessible and then uh so I, I knew some people that were living up there so uh i moved up there i actually got this really cool game uh i got a job as a game tester for nintendo uh-huh. yeah nice. so i mean uh i got to be high all day and test video games which uh it's not really I wasn't really going to where life and, and I hung out, I hung out up there for a while and, uh, I, I can't, I came back down and, um, I had, I came back down. I had went to, I had went to treatment and I stayed clean for a little while. I stayed, I want to say I stayed clean for like three, four months with, which at that time was a huge, uh, um, thing for me because uh and and once we finish talking uh you start the end of my story i'll I'll tell you why that was a huge thing for me because i never stayed sober for a long time Mm -hmm. uh it was always some mood altering in my life i didn't deal with life on life's terms very well yeah so uh i I stayed clean for a little while and then it started again and uh, i moved to new orleans and uh i met my uh, children's mother there and things were good there. Um, but towards the end, I started to really abuse drugs, uh, more. And then I moved, her and I moved to Asheville, North Carolina to get away from 
hard drugs. But you see mm-hmm. the, the, the thing about it, you know, and I hear it on this body all the time and, and it kills me is uh, I, I need to leave here. This place is a bad place. There's a lot of narcotics. There's a lot of look, man, I've been all over. And when I got to Asheville, North Carolina, it was a real cool, hippie, yeah. type, laid back, peaceful mountain town up in the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, and I was I'm familiar there, with it. I, I was there one day and uh, I ran into Oxycontin. So huh. when people talk about this geographical change, no. uh, you know, everywhere you go is people, houses and roads. And, and I think that people get mistaken for outside influence and they fail to realize that change is like within, you yeah. know, so anywhere you go, if you're not spiritually fit, you're, you're going to use, you're going to do something, you know, you're going to jeopardize whatever yeah. goals you're trying to, to accomplish in your life. If it's sobriety or, or whatnot, uh, we live there. Five, we lived there five years. Uh, I actually, uh, I, I, I stayed pretty good up there for a while, man. I, by the way, I didn't take the Oxycontin when I got offered it. Um, I stayed good for a while. I had a daughter who's going to be 15 next month. And then uh, we lived there for a while. And uh, I, I stayed clean, actually, for, um, let's say, about a year. And then we moved back here to the bayou. And I got a job with a local lift boat company uh, mm-hmm. working offshore. And we did that for a while. I did that for about two years. And then we had a son. And uh, my son was born down here. And he'll be uh, 13, actually, in July. And then we moved. Uh, she wasn't too happy down here, their children's mother. So we moved back to Asheville, and it got bad. Uh, uh, my, my drug use got bad there. I was, I, was, I was a mess. I had a good friend down here, and uh, he called me up, and he actually had committed suicide. And, and I think that was kind of my breaking point uh, when, when he took his own life. And uh, I, I got heavy into using. Uh, we ended up divorcing because uh, we had got married when we we're living down here. And then I uh, I moved back down here. And from 2008 to 2014, uh, I was a well. 2008 to 2011, I was a hardcore drug user. Um, I went without seeing my kids. I, I saw them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was pretty. It was pretty bad. And um, I decided in 2011, I was living in Lafayette, Louisiana with my mother, who was also a drug addict. She lost a battle with, with drugs in 2012. She, uh, she died of an overdose. Sorry and about that, man. That, I mean, you know, not everybody can win the fight. You know, uh, it, it happens. It's something she battled with for many, many years since I was a young child. And, uh, but one day I left from there. And I came down here and I came and stayed with my dad and I was, I, I knew what was going to happen there. I was going to die. I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to end up, you know, overdosing and dying. And I came back down here and, uh, I was really sick from not being used to that medication. And I walked to Galliana food store and I was never a big drinker, but I walked to Galliana food store and I bought a 12 pack of beer. Never liked beer. Never was a big beer drinker. And that substituted for me. Yeah. It, 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 it made me feel what I thought at the time was, was normal, what I had been feeling all those years being intoxicated on something. It was something new. A new it, it, was, yeah. it was something that was very accessible. Um, you know, and I, I remember my father actually, um, you know, my father's a recovering alcoholic. My mother was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Both grandparents on both sides 
recovering alcoholics and drug addicts uh, to each in their own, whatever their choice was. So I come from a long line of uh, substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And my dad, who, who's been in recovery since 1986, is like, man, you're an alcoholic. And I'm like, no. And, and he knew about all my troubles with, with narcotics and stuff. And uh, I continue to drink. I went on a five-year drinking binge. And towards the end of my, prof- I like to call it my professional drinking career, <laughs> I think I was drinking about a gallon of vodka a day. Wow. Of vodka a day. And I was completely functioning. Um, I was completely functioning. Uh I, I was living in a world that I thought everything was okay because I functioned, but it wasn't. Uh, did, did you think that people didn't know? Yeah. Well, you know, for a while, for a while being an alcoholic, you think people don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, once you get sober, you realize that everybody knew the whole time. Yeah. No matter how manipulative you try to be or uh, yeah. how, how, how much you deceive and, and, you know, hiding this, hiding that lies. I think one of my worst downfalls being an alcoholic was the lies that I told myself and everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, it was, and, and now, you know, now if you know me, I'm one of the most honest people there, there, there is. I'm very truthful with people about who I am and what's going on in their life and what they need to hear and what, or what I need to hear. With, uh, but I think one of my biggest downfalls was, was I, I, was a, um, I wasn't a very truthful person no. when I drank. I was either too honest and had no filter and hurt a lot of people's feelings with like no tact whatsoever, or I was just completely deceitful. And uh, so I did that for a long time. I drank. And uh, on on December, now you're looking at 24 years of substance abuse. Mm-hmm. On, on December uh, 14 of 2014, uh, I had a real, I have the same job I have now, actually. And the people I work for, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're aware. I don't know if I can say their name on here. I'm sure you're aware yeah, of man. people. Go ahead. Uh, you know, the Dan also the Dan also yeah. uh I've been working for the Dan also for a, a little while. And uh, I was sitting in my garage that morning and I was drinking and I'd had a rough weekend. Uh, the fiance and I had gotten an argument, the, my kid's mother. So at that point, I was kind of coming crashing down. Yeah. Um, I had DUIs. I had, you know, multiple, multiple infractions with friends, family and the law and, and, but I was still in my mind because we lied to ourselves. Yeah. I have a job. Uh, you know, uh, you, you tell yourself, you got friends. I'm still a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have friends and, and you, you, you lie to yourself so much. So I was sitting that morning, um, after that crazy weekend and I called in sick on a Monday morning and I was in my garage drinking and it was yeah. like, I want to say like eight in the morning whatsoever, which was something pretty normal for me. Now I didn't drink when I went, when I went to work, I never drank before work and I would go through unbelievable, um, tremors throughout the day because my body was so accustomed mm-hmm. to functioning on alcohol. But when I got off of work, it was on and all through the weekend. So I'm sitting that morning in the garage and I had been at what I thought was rock bottom before. So you're looking at 20 something years of, of drug abuse and, and bouts of alcoholism and homelessness. I was homeless at one point, you know, eating from a dumpster at one point, I, you know, it, it was crazy. And that moment 
when I was sitting in that garage was the loneliest I had ever felt in my life. It wasn't when I was sleeping on a park bench. It wasn't when I was a heroin addict. It was right then and there. And um, I remember thinking when I was sitting there in this loneliness and hopeless despair that I couldn't do this anymore. And I couldn't do it on my own. You see, when you're wrapped up in alcoholism, ego and pride is one of our biggest enemies. We the original okay. sin right there, pride. It, yeah, it's one of our biggest character defects. And I think I had realized right there that I, I, I couldn't do it alone. Now, still the alcoholics working now, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I realized that. And it was like a week, uh, almost two weeks before Christmas, a little less than two weeks. And my kids were actually coming over to spend Christmas holidays. They had just left that weekend. The week was going to go by and they were going to come back for the Christmas holiday. And I had all their presents wrapped right here. I think it was by our foyer here in the living room. And I came into the house and I sat on the sofa. And then this is when the bargaining with me and the man upstairs started. I, uh, I looked at all the gifts. And I was like, man, I need help. I said, but I, I'm going to wait till after Christmas. I'm going to wait till after Christmas because there's all their presents and there's all that. And I can't do that to everybody during Christmas. Little did I know at the time, that was probably the best gift that I could have gave anybody is, is going to get the help I needed. And uh, I remember dropping to my knees right there in front of the sofa and, and basically surrendering. And I was crying and I didn't know why I was crying. And uh, it's still, I still tear it up talking about it. It still gives me goosebumps because it was a, it was a phenomenal experience. And it's, it was, it was something that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And I, I remember getting on my knees and I always, this relationship I had with God was always a bargaining relationship. Mm-hmm. It was never, what can I do for you? It was like, I'm in this situation. What can you do for me? Yeah. And uh, I remember if you just do this, saying, I'll do that. Right. And I remember, I remember dropping to my knees and just saying, you know, like my way doesn't work. Like do what you will with, like do what you got to do with me. Like, like, and, and it was, I think it was just a complete form of surrender for me. Um, and I don't know if it was the alcohol or if I'm crazy because something happened in that moment where he said, you know, cause I was, I was saying that, but at the same time, and I meant it in my heart, but my mind and my mouth was, let's wait until after Christmas. Let's wait until after. I want to see them open their gifts. I want to see. So there didn't went that alcoholic behavior of trying mm-hmm. to talk myself out what was what needed to be the the bar. And, and uh, he, he he yeah, and he spoke to me, man. You know, he said, "You won't, you don't do this now. You won't be here next Christmas." You know, and at that time I was going through a lot of medical problems. My pancreas was failing, uh, two years of, of doctors and, and, and saying like, you're going to die. And it still wasn't enough for me to put the bottle down. You know, you would think they tell you you're going to die, but it still wasn't enough. And I got on the phone and it's hard for me to talk about. I said the three most important words I ever said in my life. And I probably will ever say in my life is I need help. Who'd you call? I called my fiance first. Uh-huh. And then I called Daniels. 
And I was fortunate enough that Scott Freeland is their HR guy. And Scott Freelander was like completely amazed. He was like, I didn't even know that you drank, <laughs> you know? Wow. <laughs> He's like, I see you in public with your kids doing things. Like I didn't know that this was an issue. Oh, and uh, I was, I was blessed that people started getting on the phone. My fiance who I'm married to my wife now got on the phone and calls were made and, and man, God was working that day. And um, it took a lot of people to rally up. And by the next day, I was in treatment. So I spent Christmas and New Year's in treatment. And when I was in treatment, I had to go through. First of all, I wanted it. Yeah. And I had to go through a lot of baggage stuff that I had tucked away for years and years and years and years and years. And And, uh, I got out of treatment. I was blessed to get my job back. uh, and, and, and from then on, I've been sober. Um, I got into Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't go as often anymore. Um, I try to stay spiritually fit. And uh, I went to I went to meetings every, every week, four to mm-hmm. five times a week for almost three years. Wow, man. I have to work on it to me. Because that's what I was told to do. I was told to... Work go to as many meetings as you can. It, well, I'm, I'm an addict. So they were like, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And I'm like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to go to every meeting I can in three years. Um, <laughs> and I still work. The, I still work the 12 steps in my life. Uh, to this day, I would not be where I'm at if it wasn't for the people who believed in me, who <laughs> seen something in me that I didn't see in myself. And for the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and the proper rehabilitation for me to be where I am right now. So, uh, that's my, that's a quick, <laughs> without a war stories, uh, of, of where my choices, um, led me yeah. to uh, this day. So, wow, man, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. That's, there's somebody that will need to hear that and hear that. And I hope it inspires them to do what you have done and yeah, to stick yeah. that out and to, to find that help and to admit it and go forward with it, man. That's, that's yeah. powerful what you just put down. And then that's so important. And, and like you just said, the admitting is, is, is really important because you, you admitting on to the outside and onto the inside, mm-hmm. but that move forward part. And, and, and I want to reiterate, kind of go a little bit further, what you said, about that going forward part, that taking action is probably 90% of the addicts or alcoholics out there, they know what they are. Mm-hmm. They wake up every day and they see it in the mirror, in the mirror and, 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 and see it with what other people perceive and, and let them know what they observe. And that moving forward, that taking action is the biggest step. Is, yeah. is doing something about it, you know, and when it all boiled down to, and it's something they don't teach you in school. And if they did, I missed that day. You know, uh, <laughs> I missed it maybe in religion class. I missed it maybe in my family dynamics coming from the broken home I came from at a young age. Um, I didn't know how to love myself because it's really not about being sober. It's about loving yourself enough not to drink or do drugs. And 
I always, and, and I'm, I'm a big advocate for pushing on people. Well, I would not say pushing, but suggesting to them to love themselves. Yeah. And something I had never learned was to love myself and, and, and realize that I'm, I'm of value. Yeah. You know, and that, uh, I do matter. And, and my goal from that, from, from that experience every day is to, um, tell people that in some form, you know, I know you see, I do quotes on Facebook. Yeah. Something that I do look, man, twice a day, every day. Yeah, you do. I do do them a lot for me. I do it. And it may be not something I'm going through, but it's me staying out of myself because I I was a very selfish person. Mm -hmm. So it's me staying out of myself in any which way I can. And that's just a part of me staying out of myself. You know, so in those things, I want people to know they do matter, that there is somebody that's thinking about them every day, that there is somebody who doesn't think that they're hopeless and broken because I thought I was hopeless and broken. You know, I mean, here I am, you know, here I am. I turned my will and life over to the care of God as I understood him at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And here I am, you know, so that's been, I've been a big advocate for self-care and self-love, you know. People need that nowadays, though, with everything, you know, where the nowadays with our society, way it is where people are, you know, give me a like, give me a comment, give me a share, give me a shout out, give me all this thing. When it's at the end of the day, man, it's, it's you. It's, it is. You got to be happy with you. It, it is. It is. You know, it, it's. And I, I instill this in my children a lot to the best of my ability is that, you know, even this podcast, I can be sitting here telling you anything. I can go on Facebook and portray who I want to be. People have that privilege now to go and portray right. who they want to be. Yeah. But I tell my children and, and the same and the same with myself is our walk is everything. Our walk is everything and 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 i I tell my kids that our walk is everything you know for two years in the beginning of my sobriety no matter what i said Mm -hmm. no matter what i said what came out of my mouth nobody was going to believe that yeah but they saw my walk Mm -hmm. and i realized one day probably about a year after i realized that i could say whatever i want it may matter one day. What I'm going to say will be heard one day, but for right now, i got to walk. Mm-hmm. What I do is my character, not what I say. What I do is my character. You know, so uh, that's something I, 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 when I talk to people, I tell them, people watch what you do. Right? Yeah. They will listen to you. And when they think you're not, and when you think they're not watching you, people are watching. People are always watching what you're doing, you know? So I, I think our walk is everything, you know, I, I honestly do. Um, and it, the weird thing is, is that people saw the change in me before mm-hmm. I noticed the change in me. It was the <laughs> same ones. It was the same ones who seen something in me when I was out there drinking and drugging that I didn't mm-hmm. see it myself. They seen the change in me before I saw the change in me. And it was, it, I kind of would have to step back a little bit, you know, I was like, yeah. oh, and, uh, you know, another thing too, like my relationship with, with, 
with God, who, who I choose to call my higher power, you know, and, and to each in their own, you know, I, I'm, I'm about any, what works for anybody, if it's something healthy and, and teaches love and compassion, uh, you know, more power to you. I, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you as a person. We start getting into religion. We start getting into sex. We start sex of religion. We start getting to, to a point to where we, we start to compare rather than relate when, when our true, I think our true position here is to teach love and compassion to one another, you know? So, you know, I, 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 I see that often and I, and I always, and I always say that, um, forgot what's going on. Oh, so my relationship with God became real, real good. And, and, and I'm a firm believer in prayer and I have my own way of, of, of talking to God and, and the way I talk to God. And, uh, what my wife hates when I tell this story, but I'm gonna tell it. So, uh, <laughs> after I got sober, we went out because my wife still drinks. Uh -huh. My wife's a normal person. She can drink and then not drink for like five months, which that blows my mind, you know, bless yeah. her. I can never do that. You know, one for me is too many and 10,000 ain't enough. I, I don't know when to stop. And we go out one night and, uh, you know, people ask me, how do you go around alcohol? How do you still go out to a bar? And I don't visit bars often, but I have events, especially charitable yeah. events that are at bars. And my wife likes to go listen to music. She likes to dance. And another thing, too, I thought I was a great dancer when I drank. I'm really <laughs> not. I found that out. I found that out after I got sober. <laughs> I cannot dance. I thought I was really good. Uh, but He's a little bit taller, too, and better looking. And yeah, yeah, all, all those things. <laughs> Uh, they ask, how could you still be around alcohol? And you see, that's my problem. Alcohol is my problem. It's not everybody that's out there drinking around me. That was my, that's, I'm accountable for that. That's my problem. Mm -hmm. And for 24 years, drugs and alcohol controlled my life. So if I was to stay in this house and not go out there and try to provide good service to fellow yeah. man, because of alcohol, alcohol would still be controlling my life. So we go out one night and, and, you know, She's got her good buzz going, and and now I'm I'm a, I'm a forever designated driver now for the past <laughs> five years. Uh, so I'm constantly driving people who drink ar uh, around, which is which is good. It's been a blessing. Huh? But um, every night she would kneel at one side of the bed, and I would kneel at the other side of the bed, and we would pray, right? We would do our individual mm -hmm. prayer, and. Like a good Catholic boy. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, I don't practice. Uh, I, don't, I don't go to a Catholic church. You grew up with it. You know, you kneel down at the bed. Right. But I do. Yeah. You know, and so uh, she jumps right into bed and I'm like, you're not going to pray. And she's like, no, she's I drank. She's like, I don't talk to God or pray when I drink. And bro, it hit me right there. It hit me that I can never drink because I always got to be able to talk to him. I always got to be able to have that line to him always. That's powerful. And uh, that, that hit me pretty hard uh, when that happened. So I had, I had that instance with her and then, and then my two children, because now they're coming up on, on 13 and 15. But when I got sober, they were like nine and I think nine or nine and seven. They were young. Mm -hmm. They were young. And they knew skip their dad, the alcoholic. And my son and my daughter are real different. My daughter loves my recovery. She's all about my recovery. Man, when I go when I go speak, she's there. She wants to hear the story, no matter how many times she heard it. Yeah. You know, she wants to hear the story. And she wants to – my little boy, not so much. He's more of uh, – when I went to make my amends with my children, with my kids, 
when I went to make with my son, my son told me it was water under the bridge and he left it like that, which concerned me because I'm mm-hmm. like, man, he, he, he didn't, he's not getting this. Right. Like not telling me how bad I, I hurt him. He's holding something in. Yeah. And uh, one night we were here on the sofa and him and I were watching a movie and, and this was a couple years after, man. And it's, it's crazy. I, I put my arm around him and he snuggled up to my chest and he said, that I'm really glad you don't drink no more. And it, it chokes me up, but it took him a couple of years. Yeah. Um, my daughter was a little easier because she's more um, emotional. She's kind of like me. She, she's more emotional. And we were driving one day and she was nine years old. And I'll never forget this. She says, um, so dad, your daddy and your mama, and my grandma and she went through this family. She says, they were all drug addicts and alcoholics. And I said, yes. And she says, and, and you are. I said, yes. And I think I was probably about nine months sober. And she said, but you don't do that no more. I said, no. And she says, so that means I don't have to be one. And when she oh. said that, bro, it, I still choke up. Oh, when she said that, no matter what step work I did in recovery, no matter what I put down in a book, no matter what feelings I put down on paper and, and buried emotions, that right there was it for me. That right there was it for me. When she said that, I realized that I broke a cycle. I broke yeah. a vicious cycle and that I could continue to keep it like that if I spend my life devoted to sobriety and helping others, because to keep this, to keep this, I got to give it away. Right. Yeah. And keep this for me. I got to give it away. And when she said that, that was it. I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks and it made me realize so much. Um, my heart, so another part of my heart, had kind of opened. So that was, that was my two kids, how they handled it. Dude, that's that's powerful when you just when oh God, man, that what you did just like at that moment was you didn't just you know start a new section of family tree, you planted a new one, yeah, for your family. Which is great. Sometimes, you know, you gotta you gotta hack a whole branch off and take a good part and plant it somewhere else. And and that's what you've done. And man, also it's in my it's in my head right now, running through when you said you were out, and it's when you begin to compare instead of relate. Yeah. And that is that's that's a pro that's something else that you know we begin to compare ourselves to other people and well, well I should be doing like them and I should be doing it instead of just relating be like man maybe there's something else going on there that's that's a powerful statement also it it, it is man that, you know one of our biggest downfalls is that we forget we we forget how simple it is right yeah like we tend to forget how simple it is you do good yeah you feel good right you yeah. do bad you feel bad mm-hmm. you know that that's my religion. Uh, you start looking at these great religious, religious, you know, uh, figures in, uh, you know, Buddha, Muhammad, you know, Jesus Christ himself, all teachers of love and compassion, right? Mm-hmm. This is what these guys did. They weren't labeled as Buddhists. They weren't labeled as Islam. They weren't labeled as a Christian didn't exist 
when Jesus was walking the earth. No. The word Christian didn't exist, right? So they were all teachers of love, love and compassion. And uh, one night I was in an Uber with a hardcore Muslim. And our conversation was amazing. Yeah. My wife, it blew her mind because him and I got to the point, the simplest point at the end of that conversation where you do good, you feel good, you do bad, you feel bad. Mm-hmm. That it's about love and compassion. And we went a little bit more in depth. And so you see, we losing in this world of, of social media and news and, and politics and these sects of religion. We really losing the, the true meaning of we just need to be compassionate and love each other. Right? Yeah. I mean, so I try to keep it as simple as possible. I notice when I keep thinking, cause you know, I'm an alcoholic drug addict. Uh, I keep it simple with everything I do. Uh, it makes things easier for me. That's what works for me. You know, sometimes we overcomplicate things. People overcomplicate things for others so that they don't understand, but you can spit a line of bull. And as long as someone's like, well, I don't really understand it, but he seems to do it. So I'll follow him. And that person's a false prophet themselves. Right. Right. Spewing these things. And instead of, like you said, keep it simple, you know, yeah, like, like shoot in the book, it says faith, hope, and love. You got those three things. You're good. Treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, the, that, that's what we are. We are losing that nowadays. And there is, there is this, culture of people who are seeing that and trying to bring it back and trying to make it so that it says, Hey, no, it's real simple. You put in the work, you be good person. You help other people. You don't have to say like you, you, you help the people that you think need to be helped or the people that should be helped or the people no, you help anyone. Cause right. there's a lot of people going through something that may need that little bit of help. Yeah, every, everybody's everybody's weight on their shoulders is different. You know, yeah. my rock bottom may not ever compare to your rock bottom, mm-hmm. but you know, we're both spiritually affected by it, right? Where we were at a, maybe a point in our lives where we were, you know, spiritually spiritually bankrupt. Yeah, you know, and and you know, we have to feel that. We have to we have to feel that. And the, for me, it's staying out of self. That's how I feel mine. Mm-hmm. Is, is doing what I can for others, you know, and it gets tricky. I got to set up healthy boundaries with certain people and I got to yeah. remember self care and I got to remember self love, you know, so mm-hmm. the balance is, 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 isn't easy, but it's possible and it's definitely worth it. It is. It is. And like you said, boundaries are boundaries. And one of the things is when you're trying to do those things, it's not that you say yes to everything, but certain things you have to say no to. Oh, and definitely. You have to, you know, some people you have to keep them at arm's length, but it's that arm's length is the right distance to help this person. And some people you bring, you got to bring them in a little closer because they they've never experienced that before and educating them. And man, God, man, you, you got a lot of good stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. And, and even like you said, you know, from what you've gone forward and done and people are watching and paying attention. I've been watching you. I've been paying attention to you. I've been seeing you. That's what made me reach out to you whenever I said, man, here, he's being pretty open about, you know, his recovery. And that's pretty interesting. And then, you know, your quotes that you put out and then your work, you know, with bearded villain. And man, I want to know more about that because you've got a pretty sweet beard. Uh, I've, I've got an amateur one right here. I feel like a little baby beard compared to yours, you know, and you're doing all these things and that, that made me reach out because on my platform here on this podcast, I'm trying to bring the best good old boys I can find on 
to let other good old boys know, hey, this is this is something you may want to know about. You may want to hear something about this. Uh, so, I mean, that that's where it's at and what you're doing. And this is how it reaches and goes. So, yeah. So, Bearded Villains, um, you would you get you involved in that. What's about it? And what's you in Texas, right? Yeah. Houston area, yeah. League City. Yeah. We have a actually, we have a chapter in Houston of Bearded right. Villains. I was out there in February. We had a huge charity event at Pitch 25 where we did a. Um, it was a big, yeah, Operation Snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Where we had this huge beer competition and we filled that street with snow and had kids with chronic illnesses wow. come and play and snowball fight and stuff. But uh, what Bearded Villains is, is, is this, there's this uh, guy and, and he, um, his Instagram is uh, Von Knox, but his name is Fred. And in 2014, he was actually a beard model. And he said, you know, man, beards, people with beards, they, they get bad raps and they, you know, here we are, we have, a, and it's him and a couple of other beard models from the Los Angeles area. And they're like, uh, what if we start trying to change that stereotype? What if we, and they were sitting around watching like Sons of Anarchy one night. They're like, what mm-hmm. if we started a beard club, not a motorcycle club, right? <laughs> and we're nothing like a motorcycle club, but uh, what if we start a beard club and then it, we can give back to the community and we can, and little did he know that those like five guys or whatever would actually, blow up into over 5,000 something members now, 280 something chapters worldwide. We have chapters in wow. Asia. We have chapters in Iran. We have an Iranian chapter countries nice. that, yeah, countries that can't really participate in things like that. We have them now. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's more of a social club, mm-hmm. uh, that does charity. Yeah. So it's just brotherhood here in Louisiana. I had the, I've had the pleasure of, of being in the, the leadership of this. We are the biggest chapter in the United States and we're the sixth biggest chapter in the world here in Louisiana with 63, 64 guys in it. And, uh, we dabble in charity. Uh, there's chapters, you guys in Texas, I want to say have eight. Now you'll have Dallas, Houston, you'll have, um, let's see Dallas, Houston, then you're like Austin. some more chapters all across Texas. Uh, no, there's no Austin chapter. I think that's the guys who are, I know central Texas, you'll have a mm-hmm. coast Texas. You'll have a, a chapter out in West Texas. So there's all these chapters that eat, a lot of States have the chapters and we have these huge meets. We will be in LA in August and we go and we put on a beer competition there. Yeah. Um, and with all the money goes to, depending on what chapter is doing what with it, but the money goes to charity. Uh, we run off of this app called the FHL app and it's a facial hair league app. And then you can, <laughs> a portion of that, they'll donate to charity. And then the portion that's collected will go to charity. Uh, we've, uh, the other day, my, my wife, this guy was in her store and he's like, you need to shave your face. And my wife's like, you know where that beard has taken us? I mean, we've been to uh, <laughs> world, <laughs> uh, Puerto Rico, uh, we're going to LA with Texas, uh, nice. different. So there's events like all, all around the world, uh, that go on. There's some in Europe, there's European meets and stuff. We and, just uh, had a, a beard competition down here in Kima, uh, just right down the road. And it was a uh, beards of the Bay where they, there was a big competition at a time. And my, the guy, uh, he's been on the podcast before. One of my good friends, Lou Davila, he owns a barbershop here and he was one of the judges and he sponsored it and everything. So That's uh, the, the beards are, the beards are the thing, man. They're, they're inspiring nowadays. 
And I remember. I'm pretty when, sure if he talked to him, he probably heard a bearded villains. I, I need judge. to get need to get y'all in, in together with it. And uh, you know, shoot, I've had mine. I grew it in college, I think, and I've had it I've ever since. Yours for a while. Yeah, I had to shave it for a, about a year and a half when I started my new job because it was in the oil and gas industry, and they wanted right. everybody clean shaven. And it was the the company I work for; they had a culture of clean shaven. And one day I was just like, "Look, I'm noticing a few things changing in the plants. Uh, I want to grow it back." And they said, "Look, as soon as they tell you to shave it, you got to shave it." I said, "Not a problem." And that was probably like five, six years ago. So. Every time, all of everybody else is like, "No, we're cool with it now." So, <laughs> nice, that's good. It, it's starting to, starting to. Uh, I mean, there's no way I'd be in the industry I'm in now and in, in acting. Like, like, believe me, I shaved this thing. Like, nobody's gonna cast me for another. Like, mm-hmm. I'm ugly. This beard. So, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> you don't even beard. remember what it's like underneath. You might have grown a I little re- handsome underneath. Who knows? I really, I really don't. I, I don't remember what I looked like without a beard. Probably there's a lot of people that probably wouldn't recognize me because it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but th- but that's what Bearded Villains is, and uh, you know it's it's a worldwide beard club. It's a uh, we don't discriminate against uh, race, sexuality, uh, anything like that. Every, you know, every you got a beard, and it's in within four centimeters, and you're a good person. You're a loyal person because uh, the the process is really long and we go through a patching process and it's a really long process. Ooh. I'm blessed to be one of 120 scouts from around the world. So I say who comes into bearded villains worldwide. I'm one of the people. Uh, so there's a lot of bonding with these people, see what kind of person they are. We, we got like actual, um, we got a lot of law enforcement guys that are bearded villains. So nice. we were able to check on people and we were able to, you know, to make sure that, that they, uh, and if they get in and they so far in the process, they, they, they forthcoming with us because it's just such a long, you have to be committed, so committed to it. But, uh, that's what bearded villains is. And, uh, we, we just try to change the stereotype of bearded tattooed guys and, and go out there in the community and, uh, and, and show them that we are good people. And that we have a lot to offer our community, and you know, we coming up in a couple this month. I think it is this month. We have a huge event. We do. I think the last time we did it, we raised fifteen thousand dollars for um, the Wounded Warrior Project. Was it the Wounded Warrior Project we did? Disposable heroes. Disposable heroes. We don't deal with Wounded Warrior. We don't deal with any charities that have administration to pay. We do all we do with charities that the money actually goes to the person, yeah. that, and that's what it was. Disposable Heroes Project, and I think we raised like fifteen grand. We did a silent auction, color bowl, color pin bowling tournament. Wow! Uh, so it's yeah, it's cool, man. We were that's moving awesome. up because we got those big checks made, you know. Yeah. One of those checks, like yeah, yeah. We we so we kind of moved up when we had that big check made about three years ago. I think we had got that done. So, and uh, that's a that's what Bearded Villains is, and and I get to. Uh, when I got into Bearded Villains, I got to bring sobriety into Bearded Villains. And since I've been in Bearded Villains, because these guys like to meet up and drink, um, I I can't count even on both hands how many people have brothers, because we call each other brother, have gotten sober, hmm. who just didn't know who to turn to about their problems with alcohol yeah. and didn't know where to go. And, and, you know, one guy, man, hundreds of guys never thought this guy would stop drinking, and he just made two years sober. So nice. he's a guy I worked That's awesome. Schedule. Uh, you know, it's about getting that message out there and it's about not hiding your story mm-hmm. you know, because if you hide your story. People feel alone. Yeah. And I was I, having a 
conversation this morning with some guys and we were talking about talking about a bunch of things just you know but it, it started getting a little deep and it was talking about marriage and finances and uh parenting and things like that and we, and three two really good guys you know we we're all just sitting around and we started talking it's like man you know nowadays in society and once again you know just the way we are nowadays you don't you don't get those conversations and to have an organization like that you know i think our parents had the the vfw and the stag club and all yeah. that other thing and the but for us that's not a thing anymore so to actually do some, have an organization like that where y'all can bring in you know that message and the the amount of people and if you're screening them that way and going about it, then you're going to bring in some guys who are committed to it, who want to do good, who want to put forward and who want to work on themselves personally. So, yeah. And we, we got every background, every culture, every religion. Uh, yeah. We don't discuss politics with each other. We don't discuss religion with each other. We don't. And it's, we all coexist very well. And we, yeah. you know, a, a great group of guys that, that all get along and respect each other's beliefs, you know, and, I think that's how kind of it should be, you know, respect each other's beliefs and, and just love and, and love one another, you know, and, yeah. and do far to what you can. That's good. That's good, man. And, and, and now on top of that, you're an actor. Yeah. You're yeah, acting, so. man. You're out there. <laughs> how, how did that come about? Is there a casting call saying, well, we need, we need a, a bearded guy with a, a Cajun accent. <laughs> man, it's, it, it's, it's a crazy story. Uh, I turned 40 and my wife and I were talking about if there's, if there's anything that you ever wanted to do that you never got to do. And I was like, yeah, I always wanted to like, you know, like be an actor, you know, and like, I, it wasn't something and I, I owe a lot. You know, she pushed me, man. She, she pushed me real hard. Um, I knew this girl who did makeup and she actually asked me to be in this there was this writer who wrote these books and he was making a movie out of one of the books. And it was just a horror movie. And uh, they're like, look, man, we need like a guy to play a homeless person. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm your guy, man. I can method act playing a homeless person. <laughs> I was homeless already and I look homeless. So I was like, yeah. I can do this. So, uh, you know, it's a local guy in Homa and, and we go out there and, and the guy film and it's like, man, you really look good on camera like you really look good on camera like you ever thought about doing this you know i'm like yeah my wife's like saying i should do it he's like oh man he's like look you should go and submit this place and and uh and try it out you know and it's it's it was extra work you know just mm -hmm. being an extra just being a background uh actor and um so i i, I waited a couple months and i was like yeah, i'm gonna try and and they were sending me emails and emails and I was, I was just ignored. I'm like, man, there's something I can't do, can't do or whatever. And so finally, um, I went for, for, for something. It was, it was like, dude, my, my character progression has gotten really good. <laughs> so I went from a homeless person and the, uh, this was, uh, I, I was, I, I was driving home from the, they moved us to Amelia. So I got, I'm blessed I got a company truck, but I drive every day to Amelia to work when I live like right by the La Rose yard and I'm driving home and my phone rings and it's just like New Orleans number. So I'm thinking it's something for work, you know, maybe mm -hmm. shell or something. So I pull over and I answer. I'm like, hey, hello, this is Skip with Dan Austin. It was like, yeah, this is so-and-so from so-and-so casting. Like uh, I'm looking for Hick Sheremy. So like, if you didn't know, your sister probably does. My real name is Hick. That's my real I name. I didn't know Hick. that. Hick Joseph Sheremy the fourth. My oh. son's not named Hick. I named him Lennon. But anyway, uh, 
So I'm like, man, I'm like, I kind of froze up because I'm like, there's only two groups of people that call me hit besides my family. One is the law. <laughs> and the other one is the government, which kind of pissed. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, oh, like hesitated a little bit. I'm like, yeah, this is, and look, dude, I, even after all these years of living right, like I still like, I'm like, what, what did I do? Is this something that I did 10 years ago that, I, you know, so like being the addict alcoholic, like all this stuff's racing through my mind. And I'm just like, so finally I'm like, all right, just get yourself together. Yes, this is him. Yeah, this is so-and-so. And uh, we want to book you for an episode of, of NCIS New Orleans. And I'm like, I'm like, who is this? You know, like, who is this? And he's like, no, sir, this is so-and-so. Like, can you be at this place for a fitting tomorrow? So I'm like, yeah, you know, sure. You know, so I, I, that night, uh, I went with my wife to an Ed Sheeran show. It was Halloween night. And the next morning, I believe it was the next morning, yeah, I took the day off because I was driving her to the concert because I'm the driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people drink. And I actually uh, went the next day for the fitting. And then I filmed the following Tuesday. So after I did it, uh, I got like a small amount of airtime, but I still got airtime. And I was like, it was kind of fun. And I was like, I guess, I I don't know if I guess I'll I'll be doing this again or whatever. You know, I guess that was it. That was my one time to try it out or whatever. And sure enough, the phone rang again and the phone rang again. And it led me to like more episodes of NCIS. It led me to episodes of Claws. It led me to episodes of Queen of the South. It led me a movie called big and slim which is coming out in november by universal it led me to um so I, when when you in background work you only can get so far in acting right yeah so you like an extra mm-hmm. uh are you are like background are you featured background which is uh possible you get a credit for right mm. i saw so, that episode uh, of ncis where you were running behind the guy <laughs> right 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 you know so like that was background work right yeah. so there's no credit there so uh i started what i did was i started like really paying attention how this process works I, w- I would go i would go to set and i would learn and i would learn what this one did and what this person did what a pa did what a da did what a director did what a, a director of photography did what dp does what this one does and i started to like really learn the process and i started to network with actual actors mm-hmm. who were trained to act because i have no training in acting whatsoever so um you didn't th- take theater in a <laughs> in a high school man <laughs> man i was too busy I, the only time i messed around that theater department was hiding out smoking weed back there <laughs> doing stuff i wasn't supposed to uh <laughs> so no in fact the, in fact the drama teacher i would get sent to her class as an alternate and she would kick me out oh man uh, same as uh, Mr. Tommy Begnell, who, mind you, never got along with me and showed up to watch me pick up my one-year chip when I got when I made one year sober. He drove from out of state to come and sit and watch oh, me get wow. my one-year chips because uh, he too is yeah. in recovery. I, that so, and, is- and that was something I did not know. And uh, he came and and congratulated me, and, and that was. I, that was still a phenomenal moment for me because I thought that guy hated me. Uh, but we were just both some egotistical, uh, you know. Yeah. He, he's a guy that he's a guy that in my high school career, uh, I kind of respected and got to know 
and have some good discussions with. And uh, he, he was a guy that always was sh- shot straight about things. And, yeah. uh, and like probably five years after I graduated, I, w- I went back to the school. I was there to do something and I bumped into him and he was right before he retired. And him and I sat for like 30 minutes and just shot the bull on stuff. And, 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 and that's the kind of guy he is. I remember seeing him in church one day, like coming down from the top and I'm like, what are you doing here? And he was like, I'm playing the organ. Now leave me alone. And he'd walk mm-hmm. off. <laughs> and that is a Catholic man. That is a, that is a God fearing man too. Uh, you know, so it's funny you mentioned him cause he was like, kind of one of my favorites, but kind of one of the guys I was like, man, you're, you're a jerk, but it's not what you see all the time. And man, he, uh, I was surprised awesome. that he, so, um, yeah, getting back to that. So I, I I I did that stuff for a while, and I learned. And uh, you, you don't always say like right when you're gonna give up. That's when something you know uh-huh. five minutes is when the miracle happens. Well, I mean it wasn't a miracle, but um, I was my wife was scheduled to have surgery, and I started working in October doing TV and movies, and I stayed busy, booked, and I turned down a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Steady. I mean, steady, busy, and I'm and you're still working at Danos, right? Danos still allows me to do. I, I get my work done, but it's and it's mm-hmm. hard to balance, but I get it done. And um, I was like, man, I'm gonna take a break, and like, I can't keep just doing this back. I don't know, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. I mean, like, I need to like slow down and focus on work, and maybe this is not the thing for me. And and my wife was gonna get surgery so i said i'm not gonna book anything because i enjoy doing it so i'm not gonna book right. anything and one day um i'm now i'm gonna try to explain through all this because i'm under a lot of non-disclosure right now mm-hmm. um one well, day i don't want you to I'll, get in trouble man no like, no one day 200 I people actually, listen to this so <laughs> yeah, I, uh i seen they were looking for uh three featured uh, roles for three mm-hmm. featured recurring characters. Uh, I didn't know what the project was. I wasn't exactly sure because they don't give you a lot of information. So I went ahead. I said, oh, I'm never going to get this. And, and see, that's the bad. That's me being bad mm-hmm. because I wasn't supposed to. I was not supposed to. I said I was going to take off because my wife was getting surgery and I was going to take it. I was mm-hmm. gonna, and I broke a promise to myself and I did it. And sure enough, I'm driving home one day. And I get the call and they tell me about the movie. And then I realized how big the movie is. And I realized with production company, it was just a big, it's a big Lionsgate production. Uh, a lot of their money was put into it and, and it's, it's projected to be a contender for the Oscars. And, and I wow. get a featured recurring role in it and I get a credit in it and I possibly get a side credit in it. Nice. Credit in it. It's kept me working for 13 days of filming, uh, which is pretty big deal for a guy who doesn't have any training at all. And I was blessed while on the set of that to be referred to um, a really good acting school. And I start next month. Nice. Uh, Congratulations, man. uh, I'm going to go and actually learn get the tools that I need to, cause I can have all these shows under my belt, but if I don't get those side credits speaking, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, it's not where I want to be. 
So uh, I was blessed with this with this movie. And it was one of those things where I was about to, I was just getting tired of it and I was about to give up. And I just wrapped <laughs> up last Thursday. Yeah, last Thursday I wrapped up with this movie. And um it's it was it was an amazing experience. I got to work with some really talented people. Um I, I got I, I, in TV. I got to work with talented people. I was directed by LeVar Burton one day, uh, you know, and, and yeah. it, 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 you know, I sit back sometimes and I realize this opportunity that's available for me. And, and I'll be sitting out there with, you know, the other night I was having this like 30 minute conversation with this big actress about what love bugs were and what they were really doing up there while they flew and, and she was blown <laughs> buy it and you know she was huge <laughs> movies like hunger games and stuff and like her and i are talking and talking um, i'm like i can't believe i'm talking to this person and i can't believe we're talking about love bugs having intercourse and you know i sit back sometimes and realize man like it's a little surreal mm -hmm. because i'm not supposed to be here um in my mind i wasn't supposed to make it this long and uh you know i was once a really messed up individual. So to have be put in these situations, you know, and that's all nice because it's a profet it's it's a profession mm -hmm. and, and 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 I really love the art of it and and I'm I'm getting blessed to go and home the craft of it. Uh but not only there sometimes I could be sitting in this chair and my kids are having this conversation with me and my wife sitting right there and you kind of that becomes surreal too. Yeah. You know, data, data, data movie stars also, uh, like here yeah, I am, I got, you know, so, uh, you know, when you sit back and look at the big picture and the blessings, how many there are around me every day, uh, thousands of them because I choose to see them. Uh, so yeah, it becomes a little surreal and I, you know, I don't know where this acting thing is going to go. I, I guess I'll find out I've gotten really far and I was, the director of this film, who's a really talented, amazing human being, uh, you know, said, this is a school you need to go to and, and this is what you're going to do. And uh, because what you would, because he, he actually picture picked me for this movie. Uh -huh. uh, what does that mean? Picture picked you like saw your face so and this is the, this is the, this is this guy's face. This is the face that I want for this character. This is the guy that I want. This is the, the guy that I want. It was, it was like, they didn't want me cutting my hair, shaving my beard. So I was, Really cool in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. but after a while, I was like, God, I'm ready for hair. Good. And my cheeks, I just need to line my beard up. But uh, so I was picture picked by, by the director, which was a big deal for me. Um, and it, it was funny because uh, a quick story when I went for the fitting of this movie, um, the woman who was doing my fittings, it was like a six time Oscar winner, a wardrobe, a costume designer. Wow. And um, her, her assistant let me know how important she was before I, I went ahead and, and um, interacted with her. Mm -hmm. That she was a big deal, right? And uh, so uh, through my years of having fun, I got a lot of tattoos. I have tattoos on my hands. I got my arm and stuff. And she stops and she's like, do they know you have all these tattoos? And I'm like, well, they should. I said, because they have like my body shots and my head shots. She's like, well, I got to make a call. And she gets on the phone and, and, and she calls someone. And she's like, because the makeup is going to take like 55, 60 minutes makeup to get this covered. And, this, and, you know, makeup artists, the, the union has to pay them this much money and this much money. 
And I don't know who she talked to, but she hung up the phone and she's like, they really like your face. So, uh, uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. And she, then she kept telling me I had a great face, which it, it freaks you out as a human being when you told uh-huh. you have a great face, but you know you're like really ugly. <laughs> so, director <laughs> tells you that. And uh, when, when, when I was on set, he, tell, he told me, he said, you know, this is the furthest you're going to get without going to school. He's like, because you're going to go learn how to do audition tapes and you're going to go learn how to, 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 to do a lot of, um, you know, digging up emotion and digging up. And uh, he said, so I'm recommending this is what you do. He's like, because you'll never get any further. He said, you, pro- you may get a side credit out of this because there's so many side credits that go to feature roles. Is there's only four, like four of y'all that's featured. He's like, but he's like, now you, see, you get that credit. Now you got to go audition. And then he's like, like I, I never auditioned. I never had to sit there and audition mm-hmm. for something. I'm always yeah. picked because of the way I look. So uh, coming from him, I came home, I talked to my wife, I was like, this, this is what we're going to do, I'm going to do this. And uh, so I start a, a, a pretty, a really good acting school in, uh, this month. Actually, it's this month because we're in June. So this month. So we move forward with the plan that I've been resisting um, and see where it takes me, you know. Uh, sounds like the good Lord bringing you to where he wants you to be at, even though you're I, just a man. But I get it. That that's that's so good to hear, man. That's so that's so cool. I can't wait, you know, to when you can say what this movie is, and I, I oh man, I'm I'm curious now what your character is going to be, and you know what it's going to be like because it's it's interesting, man. And I'm I'm happy for you. Congrats on all the success that you have with this. This is taking you someplace. Just man, from one way to the next. It's amazing to see and you be yeah. open with it and willing to share and will, you know, it's not a, yeah, I got some movie stuff and I did that and all. No, dude, you're, you're being honest about the process and you know, that can tell other people like, Hey, no, if you're dealing with something, this is where you can go. This is what you can be. So, yeah. Well, good, but, more, more, but more important than you can, you can always uh, rebuild your faith. Yeah. And you can always be, um, a functioning member of society that um, is taken seriously, you know. Yeah. So, like, I, I want people to really understand that that you you're not hopeless and you're not broken. And there was, you know, eight nine years ago, I couldn't walk around here in public. You know, I just I couldn't like I couldn't mm-hmm. walk around here in public because I had did so much harm and caused so much damage. And to, I get invited places to speak. I got invited, you know, into homes. I got invited into functions and, you know, I'm, I'm wanted there. I'm, 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 uh, allowed there. I'm, you know, so, you know, there's, there's somebody out there tonight who's sitting in a, in a bad place and they're not sure about what tomorrow's going to bring. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things that God gives us is, is a second chance. Uh, and it's called tomorrow. So it's, it's never too late. And you're not hopeless and broken. Um, you know, it's the opportunity is always there, but you got to want it. You yeah. know, get on your knees and pray, but you got to get up and work. There it is. There it is, man. Well, Skip, bud, I know, uh, I know I'm getting close to your bedtime here and I appreciate yeah. it, man. You got a, you got a busy day tomorrow. Uh, man, I, I want to, again, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for, for just, man, being you. 
and what you're doing. And I, I'm wishing you nothing but success on all this. If you can, man, if there's something that you want to tell people to check out, uh, whether it's Bearded Villain, how do they get a hold of it? Uh, you, you know, any of these items, man, who, who would you like us, us to know about? Well, you can uh, you can check out. We we have a uh, Bearded Villains Louisiana on Facebook. We also have uh, at Bearded Villains Louisiana on uh, Instagram. Uh, so you can reach um, if you want information or stuff. You can message them. You know, drop them a DM. Uh, those are the two uh, things that I'll plug right now. Uh, if you have a personal question and you don't want to reach out to the guy running the side, you can always reach me on my Instagram. It's at minister villain at, uh, minister underscore villain. Um, and you can always have a minister villain public page and, uh, skip share me as, as my, you need something, you, you reach out to me, man. If you have, like a, <laughs> I think about a dollar for every time somebody reached out to me about something going on their life, I'd be pretty rich right now. But, uh, you know, the treasure is, is, is stopping what you're doing and you make time for what you want to make time for, you know, yeah. you, you never know who, who needs that. You know, I have people who hit me up with some stuff that's not even close comparable to compare to, to, to the stuff I had going on in my life. But, but listen, listen to them. Uh, everybody's fighting a different battle, you know, listen to them and, and just take that time to, to give them that time. You just, you just never know, man, who needs to just hear an I love you, you know, yeah. or, or you need something, I'm here, you know, just, I mean, it's, it's so simple, you know, and, you know, if you ever need to, anybody that's listening needs to reach out, always reach out, you know, reach out to someone, Yeah, you're never alone, but I, I'm honored and humbled, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Skip, man. Uh, 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 once again, thank you, bud. Appreciate All it. Right, man. Good luck. Go get it, man. All right, bro. All right.